Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Better Podcast. I'm your host Didi, and joining me once again today is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we'll be talking about the F1 Iberian GP weekend. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, get your opinions, and dive right into the conversation. Hello, Vedant. Today we'll be reviewing two weekends together. It's going to be a challenge. So are you ready for it? I am ready for it. It there were two good races for formula 1 surprisingly good uh, especially not, the not not everyone would agree with that but <laughs> i will yeah i mean surprisingly good uh, especially the spain spain race but yeah let's get into it uh absolutely so let's let's not do it race wise because you know it it'll, it'll become way too long let's just talk about um, the drivers and the teams and you know that way we'll cover both the weekends together So you know let's let's just start with Lewis Hamilton taking his 100th pole missing out in Portimao but uh taking taking his 100th pole in Barcelona finally another record that Hamilton just chews down and you know just another statistic that will live on forever in the Formula 1 history books Yeah I mean it is just unbelievable you know love him hate him have whatever like people can have whatever opinion they want but 100 pole positions is something like no one could have dreamt of it if they if they even tried you know i don't i don't even know where where he passed uh shumaka i guess it was around 60 or something and if he goes on for another if he stays for the next season as well he'll most likely double that record so absolutely phenomenal phenomenal uh exactly and you know i i think autosport did a little uh feature on all the polls and all the memorable polls of lewis hamilton on instagram and i think that was a nice little tribute but it, i think it's just surprising for me to you know see not as much hype about lewis hamilton as there was about michael schumacher back in the day you know and i think people don't realize what lewis hamilton is doing he's not just rewriting the history books he's more than likely rewriting them forever because with the new reg- rules and regulations coming i don't see this happening i don't see such a dominance across you know a span of 6 7 years from a team and driver pairing for the next 10 years at least yeah definitely i mean michael schumacher did say that he he won't be surprised if anyone overtook his you know record but as we stand now we now know that these sort of uh, eras do get very tiring for fans and for other competitors as well and going forward in the future formula 1 and the FIA will try to minimize these errors as such so it will it will be very very difficult to get to that point where you are winning championships every season for you know six seasons and getting to 100 wins and 100 poles i mean Hamilton just I mean hopefully but that is nothing to take away from what Lewis Hamilton has established you know I mean and I think people need to appreciate more of what he has done and accomplished over the last 7 years especially Yeah he he just won his 98th race in Spain and he's just two away you know and it's going to happen sometimes in the next few races when he's going to be a 100 time race winner too Yeah and it would be magical you know if uh, if Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen fight back get a couple wins in between and hamilton wins that 100th race at silverstone on the lewis hamilton straight that would be Not magical bad. 
now yeah absolutely that is something i had not thought about and now that you say uh as much you know as much as i want this uh championship to go down to the wire i would not mind lewis Ham- watching lewis hamilton win his 100th grand prix in silverstone at all and i think the fans will enjoy it a lot too uh but this season you can't talk about lewis hamilton without talking about max verstappen uh definitely the championship fight you know the points gap has increased to 14 points after these two rounds um and lewis hamilton leads um i don't exactly remember the points anymore but he he does lead by 14 points um uh, most importantly but again two very uh, impressive races from lewis hamilton and a very impressive race from the mercedes team altogether in barcelona especially lewis's side of the garage yes definitely that two stopper strategy I mean no one saw it coming really because see it was a game of strategy at that point but the way they they the way they pitted for the first lap veil after uh, Verstappen pitted for the first time uh, no one saw that second stop coming and this certainly caught uh, the Red Bull by, su- by surprise uh absolutely and it caught me by surprise too while I was watching the race unfold uh like it, first of all it was just uh, weird to see red bull falter i know you know after the race max and you know, i th- no i think christian honor came out and said you know there's some miscommunication between gp max's race engineer and max himself during the race which is why max pitted on the wrong lap uh, per se right yeah. and from what it seemed max was supposed to be on a one stop strategy uh, and he would have pitted probably you know between 26 or between lap number 26 or 30 but he pitted on lap at the end of lap 22 i, I think um and you know it was a 4 second stop a 4.2 second stop um compared to a red bull 2 second stop what we usually see and i thought you know mercedes should jump up on that opportunity and you know stop the very next lap stop lewis hamilton the very next lap and take the race lead because i think even like a whole lap in lewis could have still pitted and taken the ra- race lead uh, after max pitted so it was really surprising to see lewis and mercedes not do that and go on to the 28th lap and then you know basically concede a chance to have track position and seal the race on a one stop or a two stop strategy depending on however the race unfolded uh and again pinning on lap 28 we thought you know lewis would come back give max a fight and that's exactly what happened uh up until lap 36 i believe or when it when it lewis pit it was like lap 40 i think lap 42 yeah lap 42 between lap 36 and lap 42 we saw lewis between like a second and a half of max and giving him run for the money but definitely that pit stop on lap 42 was unexpected by all means and i was really surprised that red bull did not respond red and i i know you know a lot of people at that time said you know this is hindsight and would say this is hindsight but even at that time max would be on 20 lap old tires compared to lewis after you know lewis would put on a fresh set of mediums and i i don't know whether it was a miscommunication or even like red bull was taken by so much surprise that they could not respond within the next couple of laps but uh had max been put on softs after that you know for the second pit stop right after lewis pitted i think we would have a much more interesting race than we had uh this this past weekend in barcelona yeah definitely if max verstappen and red bull had you know responded to that uh, mercedes second stop there would have been a fighting chance now the mercedes was faster throughout the session regardless of uh, throughout the weekend regardless of the uh, pitch strategy but it would have been a fighting chance i mean it would uh, it would not have been the gap would not have been 30 seconds at the end of the race and 
I think uh, Graham Graham Rahal uh, Rahal the the indie indie car driver tweeted uh, that today was an example of an engineer not fully taking in what his driver was relaying back, and that is uh, something Max Verstappen was constantly telling his uh, you know race engineer that the tires are struggling, and he is having difficulty driving uh, the, driving the car, but yeah certainly a very strange. decision for from red bull to not uh, go go for the second stop but i think it also you know shows us the psyche behind the two teams red bull was definitely on the back foot you know red bull was like all right we we have the race lead and this is our race to lose but really it was lewis hamilton's race to lose because we all know lewis qualified on pole he got beaten into the first corner by max verstappen brilliant move from max but even then you know uh, it was really lewis's race to lose because they had been faster throughout the whole weekend and then even though mercedes was technically on the back foot after the first round of pit stops they were behind max verstappen and at that point of time with just 5 lakh fresh tires on lewis's car lewis was still struggling to you know overtake max verstappen and after trying for 3 and 4 laps he backed out and he pitted but that goes to show that instead of just defending and you know letting lewis battle down track the mercedes team especially the race strategists took the fight to red bull through that you know through that second pit stop that they made and it shows you know the difference in mindset that uh, Lewis and Mercedes have towards winning the world championship that they are not afraid to gamble they're not afraid to go aggressive they're not afraid to be on the offensive you know to take that world those world championship points away from Red Bull and put them under pressure and that just goes to show but like Red Bull is a four time you know world championship winning team so there's nothing to take away from them but that goes to show the level at which um, Mercedes have been operating over the last 6-7 years. Yeah, and I mean it's it's quite ironic, you know. Last season I remember Red Bull like Max Verstappen and uh, Christian Horner and all these guys always talk that strategy is the only way they can beat Mercedes. And in Barcelona, ironically, strategy was the way Mercedes beat Red Bull. So, yeah, very very funny in in my opinion. <laughs> absolutely and um i mean you know back back in 2017 and 2018 when sebastian vettel drive for ferrari was the primary contender to lose hamilton's world championship uh, defense you know and we all said that ferrari would screw up sebastian vettel's strategy it almost seems that red bull is starting to do the same with max verstappen's strategy and him being the only world cha- world championship title contender this year against lewis hamilton's uh, title defense but um another thing so The F1's uh, Monday morning debrief article said that no, no matter what happened, um, Lewis would have likely come out on top, even if Red Bull would have pitted for you know a fresh set of softs. But I'm still of the opinion that had Red Bull pitted for a fresh set of soft tires uh, right after the lap that Lewis pitted, uh, he would have 24 24 laps on the soft, and we saw that the soft tires hold up for 24 laps because that is what most cars did on their first stint, and the pace differential or the or the overlap point is right around 24 laps for the soft tire compared to the medium tire so i think we would have gotten a much closer race like i said before uh, compared to you know max verstappen not pitting at all during the race yeah it was as we and i i'm of the opinion that max would have you no know, would have even overtaken lewis or would have had a better chance to overtake lewis on those softs uh, compared to lewis's mediums i mean certainly the 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 fight would have gone down to the last two or three laps definitely but 
Absolutely. Now talking about race strategy, let's talk about Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas. It was kind of disappointing from Ferrari in my opinion that because I was of the opinion that Charles held up Valtteri Bottas for 23 laps of the race. He overtook Bottas on the first lap. Kind of weird from Bottas to hug the apex so hard on the very first lap and giving Charles a very wide berth to overtake him around turn three. Uh, so very uncharacteristic of Valtteri. I don't know if there was more grip or he was, if he was struggling with grip and wanted to take it to like you know low speed corner. But uh, very uncharacteristic from Valtteri that not taking the racing line and giving Charles all the room he needed to overtake. But then again, I feel Ferrari should have responded to Valtteri Bottas putting on the 23rd or 22nd lap whenever he did and putting Charles in a commanding position to fight for that P3 because we did see how much Valtteri struggled on those soft tyres to overtake uh, overtake Charles Leclerc during, the f- during his first stint on the softs. And I think even though Charles was about a half a second slower on the mediums, he could have held back Valtteri Bottas throughout the race had he come out of the pits in front of him. Or even, you know, Ferrari could have un- tried and undercut Valtteri Bottas for the P3 place since they were already there. Yeah, Instead of putting Charles Leclerc on a one-stop strategy for the entire race. Yeah, definitely. Charles Leclerc drove brilliantly and he would have fought for P3 had it been a better strategy. And speaking of Ferrari strategies, in Portimao, they, like in, in Portimao, Carlos Sainz started P5. He made up a place on the first lap. He overtook uh, Sergio Perez. And then he was the first person to pit. He pitted. Lando Norris covered him. But uh, Carlos Sainz lost it. I mean, that strategy call was pretty strange. Although Norris held on to his tyres and finished the race in P5. Brilliant drive from him. But we know that Sainz is new to the car, is still learning. And to put him on those medium tires for 40 for odd one stop race. yeah for 40 odd laps was a was a disaster and he fell down quite quickly at the end yeah absolutely but uh, i think i think uh, although ferrari did miss out on points and carlos did miss out on points because of race strategy problem again in portimao and we have seen ferrari make those mistakes over and over again uh, ferrari did make a good strategy call with uh, carlos Sainz in barcelona that allowed Carlos Sainz to jump Esteban Ocon once he was out of the pits after the first round of pit stops. So that did work in favor of Carlos Sainz. And he did drive a re- really good race in Barcelona once again, finishing in the points. And he's always finished in the points in Barcelona, so keeping his streak going. Now, I know I know we have already talked about Mercedes and Red Bull for over 10 minutes in this podcast, but I want to take the conversation back to them a little bit. Uh, now, we, we know that the Red Bull is having issues... Uh, with the tyres, you know, they don't keep the tyres as well as the Mercedes do, which also brings us to the fact that why did not why did Red Bull choose to continue on a one-stop strategy? Why did they try to fight on a one-stop strategy knowing that their car does worse on tyre wear than the Mercedes? And also knowing the fact that Mercedes is a faster car, you know, around Barcelona. So a lot of mistakes, I feel, in the Red Bull garage that weekend. Um, and then talking about Sergio Perez, again... His strategy was also all over the place. It seemed that he was also on a one-stop strategy, which did not work out for him either, and he was not able to overtake um, anyone in front of him um, later during the race. Yeah, definitely a very uh, disappointing weekend, a very disappointing double-header for Red Bull. But next up, we have Monaco. We know the Red Bull is good around the streets of Monaco. 
and hopefully they continue that trend and hopefully you know they can fight back because if they lose monaco and if they lose out on the next couple of races the championship is gone absolutely um and i think the tire wear issue is something that they need to look into because we've seen that uh, the red bull does eat up its tires pretty pretty quickly but anyway let's 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 move on so we also talked about ferrari again ferrari same thing you know they eat up their tires a little quicker than the rest of the cars compared to you know um, the mclarens of lando norris and daniel ricardo so i think that is something that ferrari also needs to look into because uh, both in portimao and barcelona they did not look as fast on the mediums on race pace as they did on the softs uh, but yeah Let's talk about Lando Norris. A mixed double header for him. Uh, did really well in Portimao, as you said. You know, held on on a one-stop strategy to finish P5 behind Sergio Perez. But uh, a P9 finish was it yesterday? Yeah. No, a P8. P8, I guess. But... Yeah, but but what happened there for Lando Norris? Uh, obviously, I... had a bad qualifying with uh, Nikita Mazepin blocking him, and you know, uh, the drama that unfolded, obviously putting him off his pace. But during the race, you would have expected more. from Lando Norris. Yeah, it was a very disappointing weekend for for Lando in in Barcelona. But uh I think it's one of those races, you know, we we know that he has pace and we know that he has uh you know, he he has been on the podium once this season. So and he is in the in a in a good form. So I I I hope he bounces back uh, from this because but We know Barcelona is not the best overtaking track, so he f- he finished more or less where he started, and yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, you know the the McLarens have been said to have more pace than the Ferraris, and you would expect um, Norris to capitalize on that, especially going up against you know Carlos Sainz and Esteban Ocon and the likes of such. He did he did end up uh, overtaking Esteban Ocon for P8 at the end of the race because Esteban was on a one stop strategy again, uh, kind of weird. because uh, again all these one one stop strategies that uh, the team tried to pull off i feel was pretty weird because coming into the weekend after qualifying it was said you know time and again that the two stop is the fastest strategy and that is what most teams will probably go for but again very very weird you know watching all the teams go for something something that it was theoretically and practically slower uh, and something that they all agreed on across the pattern yeah definitely esteban ocon started uh, what p4 P five, I believe, he ended up ninth. Alonso also started tenth, and he ended up seventeenth or or eighteenth, and had to take one extra stop just to finish. So that one stop strategy certainly did not work out for all those who tried it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, especially from Alpine, you know, definitely starting with Fernando, there was a definitely a chance for points finish uh, at the Barcelona circuit, just like in Portimao with uh, both. the alpines finishing 7th and 8th ocon and um, fernando alonso picking up some valuable points in portimao great rates on them but alpine has definitely unlocked a lot of potential with their upgrades that they brought in emola in emola it was a wet race and we didn't see you know um, the potential or like you know how much alpine had gained through those upgrades but they have definitely unlocked a lot of speed in that car as we saw in portimao and in barcelona and it has been consistent and since both of the tracks are more or less I wouldn't say more or less the same, but the layout is similar. Uh, although the Portimao track has a lot more undulations, but and it was it was like a high, it was a yeah. very windy you know race week in Portimao especially, and the Alpine car held up. So that goes to show that uh, the people at Alpine have put in some great effort, and we can 
we can expect them to be in the mix a whole lot more in the midfield battle than in the first two races. Um, now coming on to Alpha Dori, what happened to them? They were a little nameless throughout the, both the weekends. Pierre Gasly finally picking up the one last point um, in in Barcelona, but not much. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda having a quiet weekend in Portimao and having uh, trouble with the scar again in Barcelona. So not much from Yuki either. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely a very strange couple of races for Alpha Tori. Strange four races, I should say, because they haven't lived up to the hype and the potential that uh, that they showed in you know preseason testing. Yuki Tsunoda is still getting to grips with that car and finding his limit, which can be tough for a rookie, especially given how much hype and how much pressure he is under. I mean, but at least in the first couple of races, we did see the potential, uh, at least during qualifying, from, from Pierre Gasly, you know, putting the car in the top 10. I think he qualified fifth in both both of the first two races, but absolutely nothing in terms of pace uh, or any of that potential throughout the last two weekends in Portimao and uh, Barcelona. And I think uh, it was Cranky Angie, CY Motorsport, who tweeted out that Juki has had an unreliable car. Definitely, you know, the... DNF in Barcelona was not UP's fault. It was an engine issue, a power unit issue. Uh, the engine cut out, but so yeah, that, I think there's something to be explored there. Too. Obviously, we haven't really heard much. There were some comments from UK regarding the fact that uh, AlphaTauri might not be giving both of them the same equipment, but then he re- retracted that comment and apologized for his um, for for what he said earlier. Yeah, I mean, I think that was him just being, you know, reactive. And certainly very strange. Absolutely. And someone that we missed out talking about when we talked about Landon Norris was his teammate Daniel Ricciardo. Really disappointing qualifying in Portimao. Out in Q1. Fights back, finishes P9, I believe. And then has a great weekend in Barcelona. Although people have said that, you know, Daniel Ricciardo has started to settle down in that McLaren after his weekend in Barcelona. But I think his performance hasn't really... Uh, leveled up that much as as people are believing and I think that is only because of the fact that Lando Norris finished behind him because if you look at the race results uh, Daniel Ricciardo still finished about 30 seconds off the pace um, uh, 20, about 20 seconds off of Leclerc's pace so ideally Lando Norris would have been you know leading Leclerc in, uh, at the end of the race had he not had a bad weekend if you look at the first couple of weekends but I don't think Daniel Ricciardo has made a huge step as people um as people believe, you know. So, uh, again, but definitely a great fight back from Daniel Ricciardo and Darren McLaren in Portimao. Where do you see Daniel Ricciardo going? Daniel Ricciardo does like Monaco, so I hope um, he has a great weekend there and he can show some of his potential in that car uh, that we have been waiting to see. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he is settling into the car more and more. It's it's only up and up from here, you know. He'll, he'll just grow into the car. He'll just find that comfort because as he said in Portimao he's still driving with that consciousness with that you know temperament that okay I need to get this right he's he still does not have that feeling and that uh, subconscious taking over the driving so once that that transition is complete once he is one with the car I think that is when we'll see the true pace of Absolutely, Daniel Ricardo. but he did extend his lead in qualifying over Lando Norris to 3-1 and made it 3-1, although behind Lando Norris in the race, in the head-to-head battle. Uh, now, let's talk about Aston Martin for a second. 
they are still nowhere no upgrades to them nothing major from them lance Stroll is still putting in some decent performances sebastian vettel did make it to q3 in portimao but nothing extraordinary for them we've seen alpine move up uh in the midfield battle but aston martin are still lurking at the bottom of this midfield um what can we expect from them going into the next few weekends Yeah, I mean, Aston Martin did bring uh, an update to Portimao. He, they gave it to Lance and they brought the same update to... Barcelona uh, for Seb. Barcelona for Seb, yeah. But, uh, yeah, as you said, they are nowhere near where they should be, where they hope to be. And, see, they, they, they are complaining about the flow regulations just, holding them back. But, yeah, that... <laughs> I mean, apart from karma, of course, it is, it is excuses. These are excuses, I believe. And I mean, they, they, they do need to get themselves together and go for it. But Absolutely. as, as of now, they are, they are, they are bottom of that midfield. I mean, they, they can't complain, complain anymore, you know, because Mercedes have definitely unlocked the pace in their car and uh, it's up to Aston Martin to unlock the pace in their car. So I don't think they're at a disadvantage there, but uh, let's move on to Alfa Romeo. Uh, an uncharacteristic mistake from uh, Kimi Raikkonen, uh, you know, a veteran <laughs> of the sport, most races ever, and then he's just busy looking at his looking at his dials and bumps into his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi. So, <laughs> just just a funny incident, and then uh, a lot of words from Raikkonen in the interview after, though, <laughs> more than usual. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Giovinazzi is definitely picking up the pace at Alfa Romeo, though, you know. He is putting in some solid performances and I hope, uh, you know, he scores some valuable points for the team uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, George Russell also had a decent weekend, uh, both times. Uh, not too bad. Uh, Latifi is still struggling in that car. Uh, not a lot from him. Mick Schumacher did put in a good performance in Portimao. Uh, but his teammate, Mazepin, what is up with Nikita Mazepin? He has more points on his license than races under his belt. Will he get a race ban even before the season is over? See, the thing with Nikita Mazepin is, I mean, as I said and in an earlier episode, leave apart his own off-track antics, leave apart his... You hey, know, I have left it all apart. I'm just talking about the license yeah, points he has accumulated on the track. Exactly, exactly my point. I mean, he is not doing what a Formula 1 driver is supposed to do. He's not racing good enough i mean he's not even competing with his teammate he's not respecting the other drivers around him he's not respecting the regulations uh, that bind them and it's it's very disappointing to see such a driver drive in in our sport in this era i mean we have seen all sort of all sorts of drivers drive in f1 in the you know 70s 80s 90s in that era but Today, when there is only 20 cars on the grid, when there's only 20, the best, the supposedly best 20 drivers in the world. And when we see someone like Nikita, it is very disheartening as a fan of the sport. And I I hope he does get better. At least, at least he should, you know, challenge his teammate. I mean, his his teammate overtook a faster Williams, uh, Nicolas Latifi in Portimao. And... Nikita is still 30 seconds behind his teammate. So that is very, very strange. Uh, yeah, and, and I agree there. Uh, you know, we can only hope that 
he is able to improve the racing in Formula 1 uh, a little bit during his time in Formula 1, which I don't know if, if I want it to last too long. But anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about two more people that we haven't really talked about a whole lot or touched upon in this podcast. One of them being Valtteri Bottas and the other one being Sergio Perez. Um, we, we, we touched about Valtteri Bottas when we talked about his fight with Leclerc. But what is up with that guy? He put it on pole. He looked fast during qualifying. But what is happening to Valtteri during the race? He's just not there. We had Toto Wolf come on the radio in Portimao to encourage Valtteri to, you know, push uh, and catch up with Lewis, overtake Max. But, uh, and even in, even, even Barcelona, his, uh, his race engineer would come on the radio and tell Valtteri that, hey, if you keep up with this pace, you'll catch Max at the end of the race and, you know, finish P2 or whatever. But Valtteri is just nowhere. He's just finishing P3 consistently for Mercedes, which is great. But, uh, again... We want Valtteri to take the fight to Lewis, like he said, like he's promised us over the years, and again in Netflix's Drive to Survive. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Valtteri has been struggling for the past two weekends. Maybe he has not, uh, you know, got back and coped well with what happened in Imola, but that is not, that does not seem to be the case, especially for a world-class driver like him. But I would like to say that in Spain, in, in, in Barcelona, we saw Valtteri. What he did with that uh, team order situation, he tried to be selfish a little bit. I mean, he said that, okay, I have my own fight with uh, Leclerc and all that stuff. But he did race Hamilton and I don't know if it was what he was trying to do, but it was quite strange. I, I just feel that was not the right place to race Hamilton regardless of whether or not you're in the championship fight or not because Hamilton was clearly quicker and, uh, you know, I I just don't think it was the right time or the right place for Valtteri to show that and I think rather than doing that, it'll be better if he just takes the fight to Lewis and then does that, you know. Suppose he's, suppo- he's winning a race, you know, and then Lewis is supposed to pass him and he's not on fresher tires or whatever, right? And it's, it's, it's for the title fight or whatever. And, and then if he does that, that's understandable, right? You know, if he's trying to take the title fight to Lewis. But when he's clearly out of the race and when clearly, you know, Lewis is not racing him, Lewis is racing Max, uh, this was not a place where, as a teammate, he should have done that or, or said anything like that. So really uncharacteristic from uh, Valtteri, I'd say. But uh, we, I, I just don't know what's going on with him. Uh, we haven't heard much from him. Um, but uh, we can only hope that he... He, you know, he starts to perform during the race too. Yeah, and talking about, uh, you know, Sergio Perez. If Sergio Perez was a Red Bull driver for, you know, was driving for Red Bull for two, three years and was not trying to learn the learn a new car, I very much believe he would have been, you know, the third person on those podiums and not Valdry Bottas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Sergio Perez is getting just like a lot of sticks for not performing as well. But you got to remember, you know, Sergio Perez has just come into the team. And even though he is experienced, he has to drive a new car. And not just Sergio Perez. You look at Daniel Ricciardo. He's still struggling. He's spent four races in McLaren. And no one has said that the McLaren is, you know, a really difficult car to drive like the Red Bull. And, you know, a lot of people have come out and said about the Red Bull. That's a super difficult car to drive. And... Daniel Ricciardo is still taking his time. He's still slower than his 21-year-old teammate. So, you know, I think we can just step off the gas of Sergio Perez. Although he did have a good weekend in Portimao. You know, he finished fourth, started fourth, finished fourth. 
he had a good qualifying in uh, Imola, I think. And then he, he did pretty decent, in my opinion, in uh, Barcelona, just finishing behind uh, Charles Leclerc, who, you know, has spent some time in that Ferrari. And we know he's blisteringly quick. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, Ferrari. it's it's going to be a tight uh, fight between Bottas and Perez for that uh, third place in the championship. But I, I feel that Perez will catch Valtteri Bottas soon enough. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to hope for that. I would rather like Valtteri Bottas take the fight to Lewis Hamilton along with Max Verstappen. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, anything, anything from Perez will be um, exciting. Um, anything else from you, Vedant? I think I've run out of things to talk about about the two weekends that we had over the past couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, we have talked about everything from the past two weeks. Now, we are off to Monaco after not having raced in 2020. We are back. We are going back to Monaco in two weeks' time. And as I said, Red Bull are quick in Monaco uh, traditionally. But it would be interesting to see how, you know, see, Red Bull are under pressure right now. They certainly are under pressure. And Max Verstappen knows it. And if, as I said, if they do not win that race, if they do not, you know, claw back those seven points, the championship will... Uh, you know, slip out of their hands uh, slowly and slowly. So, it's a, it's a very crucial weekend for them, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely. And I, I don't know if it's... I think it's still a little too early to say that Mercedes have started to run away with the World Championship. I mean, the constructors is obviously Mercedes, in my opinion. You know, even in even before the championship started, we always knew that Mercedes yeah. and Valtteri and Lewis in the seat would definitely take away the Constructors' Championship. But um, I don't know if it's too early to say that Lewis will take away this Drivers' Championship um, already. Uh, but I don't want to make any claims in this podcast. But, you know, watch out for that. Um, yeah, nothing else for me. So, thank you, Vedan, for joining me once again on this podcast. And I will uh, see you in a couple weekends when we do the preview for Monaco Grand Prix. So, see you later. Thank you.